This podcast is part of E2C Network, where we share the whole Auburn experience. Where you go, Auburn fans? Welcome to No Huddle, your source for Auburn football news and discussion, part of the E2C Network. I'm AJ Richardson, and I'm also here with Jared Davis. We are less than two weeks away from football. You can feel it in the air. Auburn football is almost here. Jared, how you doing? I'm good. I don't know what kind of air you're feeling, though, because, I mean, I'm walking outside, and it's still – I'm sweating. It's humid. <laughs> That's the only thing I'm feeling in the air, but uh, no. Nah. That that feels like fall camp to me. <laughs> it does, actually, in the <laughs> south. You're like, fall camp? They can't be fall camp. It's 90 and humid. But, yeah. So true. When they yeah. say fall camp, I'm like, no, this is still the summer. It's, like, <laughs> yeah. And technically, it still is, yeah. I, yeah. I'm just messing with you. But, yeah, yeah. Those, those first two – Actually, they were very wide. The first two games are at night, which is you got to have. I mean, I've I've said it day games and you know first week, and it's just it's brutally hot. So yeah, hopefully yeah. that won't be the case for the night games. Yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to some evening games just because of that. But it's also kind of interesting, you know, the bigger game against Penn State was like two thirty three o'clock, something like that. So, yeah, I'm guessing that's a a CBS reason. I don't yeah, know. CBS some, got the yeah. Yeah, I think it was. Thing. But yeah, yeah, I would much rather that been at night. Yeah, man. <laughs> but, you know, that's just the way it is in the South. And, you know, these guys are going through it, you know, in the scrimmages. I mean, they're they're out there running, running around, hitting guys, and they're doing it in this, you know, crazy heat. And, you know, that's just part of, you know, doing football in the South. So a lot of these guys are really, really used to it. Um, and, you know, somebody like Harson, he's probably getting used to it a little bit more than he was up in Boise. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They probably didn't have this humidity up there. I remember when, I think it was 2003, when USC came in, we were supposed to be real good, and they said, oh, we're going to beat them because they're coming from California, can't handle the humidity, and I, I think they beat us 20 to nothing. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> yeah, so there went that theory. Yeah, for real. <laughs> well, oh, well. Uh, but, yeah, let's talk a little bit about the second scrimmage that Auburn had. Um, they they kind of did a – kind of different scenarios they did some uh red zone two minute drill and seven on seven um just kind of putting guys in different situations it sounded like carson did that so that you know it kind of gives the guys different feels for different kinds of situations that you might be in what type of plays might be called because the more you get used to that the better prepared you'll be for when you're on the field and you can start thinking through oh it's third and one what does Harson and Keesaw like to call on third and one? You know, you start to get the feeling. And then when they call that, you get real, you know, you kind of have that anticipation for what to do. So, like, I'm sure, you know, offense and defense can definitely benefit from kind of figuring things out um, as you go. And that's that's a big part of scrimmages is figuring out, you know, how the coaches call things in different situations and then how the players react. So kind of com- kind of combine those helps you get ready for you know first game ready to go and uh you're kind of in a better spot um one of the things also that i wanted to talk to you about you know we're going to talk about quarterbacks don't worry but a couple of things that harston was saying about you know kind of the team overall and then we'll get into a little bit more specific players and different position groups uh that we we heard about during the second scrimmage but Let's start off with kind of overall topic here. So one of the things that Harson wanted his team to kind of learn how to do is be more aware. And that's kind of like what I was talking about. You know, have better awareness, you know, situational awareness, 
but it's also awareness, you know, when a guy, you know, you're doing some substitutions of players, like, what do you do? Like you, you look back at the sideline when you're running in to see what the next play call is. It helps you, you know, keeps, keeps the game going. So things like that, which I think the team can really, really, really benefit from. Um, something else that Harson definitely harped on, and, I, and this is kind of, kind of in that same realm that I'm. I think we're kind of learning about Harson is his kind of his approach to coaching a team, and it seems to be very professional. Um, I mean, he said he even used the word pro approach. So, Jared, what have you? How have you kind of seen that? and what he's done with kind of how he's leading this team with like more of a professional uh, kind of approach, like maybe closer to like an NFL type type coach. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to, you know, without seeing the day-to-day operations and we're not really privy to that, it's hard to, to see a lot of it. I mean, you know, it started with uh, signing day, you know, they had the uh, setup like it was an NFL draft. Um, You know, I think you get that, probably get that label as a coach if you're kind of a hard-nosed guy and I think Harson is I, I think he's loosened up a little bit I think you realize these are college kids you can't you know you can't be super hard but um, really it probably with Harson, uh, if I had to summarize I guess what you're trying to ask when I do think of him I don't think of a flashy offense I think of one that focuses heavily on the details and knowing your assignment and doing it right every time. And if you do that, you're going to move the ball down the field. I, you know, Gus was flashy, right? Mm-hmm. Um, until we quit being flashy. But Gus was flashy. Um, Harson is more of a – and really kind of what Saban did when he first got to Bama is just more about, hey, listen, we're going to win the battle up front, and then everything else will take care of itself. And that's what Bama – now, Bama's gotten crazy recruits in here recently, and they can sling it around, you know. But it's more about hard-nosed football, uh, which is more of a pro approach. They don't do a lot of – outside of, uh, you know, the Baltimore Ravens with Lamar Jackson and, you know, what Kansas City can do with Patrick Mahomes, which is uh, just a one-of-a-kind talent. Really, it's more about, hey, let's win the battle in the trenches, right? And we're going to run the ball, win the trench battle. And, you know, that's how you move the ball down the field, and that's how you play football. And that I think that's Harson's approach. Yeah, no, no, I think I've seen that as well. I mean, everything from, like you mentioned, from kind of the you know signing day looking like and sounding like and everything, like an NFL draft to, I mean, even, you know, one of the things Keysaw, the offensive coordinator, was asked about, you know, what style of offense do you run? And he answered pro style with some no huddle which, you know, I was glad to hear no huddle still part of their offense because of our, you know, title of our podcast. We want to change their name, that's right. <laughs> but it it kind of sets the guys up, you know, a pro-style offense can be, you know, something that can be translated into the next level, pro-style, get it. So I, I think that would be awesome to see more of that, um, but still have kind of that no huddle, which I think is a lot of fun in college. Um, that's you know, what Gus kind of, you know, made so famous. And that's that's the stuff that, you know, a lot of teams are kind of used to. But think about it. Like, if you shift from, like, a pro-style offense, literally, you know, first and 10, you get a few yards, and then you do a quick no huddle, second play, you can, you know, throw off the defense because they're thinking, oh, yeah, this is going to be, you know, play-action pass or something. And, and then you shock them with a, you know, 
RPO or something that that's the kind of stuff, you know, teams that's very hard for a defense to kind of plan for. And, you know, it's yet to be seen, obviously, if that's successful, but you like kind of the variety there. Um, so again, I, I kind of like that approach where he's, you know, blending some of the, you know, more traditional, um, you know, college, you know, RPO and, you know, spread them out wide kind of approach with also a more pro style, which, you know, if guys are, you know, pitching themselves to the NFL one day, they can look back and say, Hey, I was in a pro style offense. I was successful. And here's how I was successful. And I think that's where Harson is trying to like get that translation over um, to, you know, get the guys into the NFL. So I, I just think that was kind of interesting. Um, I think it's also kind of interesting that, you know, they're still working on some things. I mean, and I guess that's probably part of it, just, you know, scrimmages, but things like, you know, Carson mentioned an example of like, sometimes there were guys, you know, 10, 12 guys on the field and you know, it's 11, 11 guys. And so it's like the little things like that, that cause you to you know have penalties, burn timeouts. That's the kind of stuff that they're working on so that, you know, when the big games come, you don't have those silly mistakes because guess what? You've practiced it. You're, you're you've kind of done that before. So it's kind of just like your muscle memory. You're, you're, you're good to go. So again, a very professional, like make sure practice it, make sure it's great before you step on to, you know, the field on a Saturday. So that's uh, kind of my thoughts on that, but yeah, let's, let's transition into the main kind of, you know, topic about quarterbacks here. So Jared, I am going to meet with you. We've already planned this. Um, we, we're going to meet up and, uh, Jared's going to give me some coffee, some Starbucks to be exact. So I guess I want a bet, right? Yeah. And why am I have tell the people why I'm having to do it? AJ, you get, to, you get to gloat here. Well, yeah, I mean, I thought when you, you were pretty confident, you know, that Calzada was going to be the quarterback, you know, named even before fall camp got started. And I was like, okay. I mean, I, I love your confidence, but I'm like, he's been injured a lot. Like he, he didn't even get like a full spring in, but you're confident. And because he, he's not named the starting quarterback, and right now, uh, it's, it's he's kind of going down the ranks a little bit. I, I get a free coffee, so, you know. Several things played into this. First off, I'm not a very smart person. <laughs> That's the main thing we need to focus on. The I mean, one, we just like hot takes, so that was a good hot take. Yeah, well, the right? second one is I, I, I did not – I fell into the trap of TJ can't improve, and then the other one was I also thought, so because CJ can't improve, Calzada is um, proven enough on the field that, you know, he's going to basically come into fall camp being the starter. So, yeah, I was wrong. I mean, at the, as it stands right now, not only was I wrong about the starter, Ka I mean, Calzada may not even be second string. Which is crazy. Like, how crazy is that that we were, you know, I was even hyping myself into thinking, you know, potentially Calzada could be the starter. I mean, like, I still think at some point he could, but it doesn't look like it'll be at the first game. But, like, at least not how the coaches are talking about him. And it's not, you know, super negative. It's just, you know, sometimes he's just not consistent. I mean, even the phrase Keesaw said, you know, he said he's keep he, – like, he's he keeps bringing him along. Like, you know, it, it, it's got to take a little bit for him to get to that, you know, QB1 status in the SEC. 
yeah, we know he did it at AM, but it's not translating right now. Um, and, and like, I was starting to think, like, Jared, you, I mean, like, what's going on there? Like, why, like, do you have any idea, like, like what's happening there? Is it something mental? Like, what's going on? Do you have any ideas? Um, yeah, I mean, I think we downplay the the amount of time that goes into being a good quarterback and he had shoulder surgery he missed was i guess spring he missed spring mm-hmm. ball most of it yeah yeah he missed most of that and not only that i mean he was missing time for uh, these guys probably work out you know when they're back home with you know they're they're probably doing something and he wasn't able to do it with his shoulder injury um but i think we also probably the people that wanted it to be Calzada probably gave him too much praise for the Bama game. Well, let me clarify too much. They thought that was Calzada. Now he won that game, but they thought that was the normal Calzada. Yeah. I mean, I even, I even fell in, I even fell into that trap. Yeah, I did too. Obviously I did. I'm, I'm about to, um, you know, blow money on a coffee for you because of it. That, that is peak Calzada. And, we're not getting that. And, you know, at practice, you keep hearing inconsistent. I've, I've heard other people say they were there. Calzada throws the best ball. But the problem is you don't always know where it's going. And hmm. that, you know, that's a problem. You can't, you know, you could be super talented, but if you're not able to control that talent and be consistent. Um, and I really think that's why TJ's, I hope, TJ has improved his game. I hope it's not he's the most consistent. Like I hope it's not the same TJ we had last year. But yeah, because really last year, if you look at it, TJ wasn't. I mean, he wasn't always consistent. But I don't know that he lost us a lot of games. He just couldn't elevate the team to win them. Right. And I still think that's the problem. If that's the same TJ, now we may have more game breakers this year. I mean, you're hearing about Camden Brown, Coy mm-hmm. Moore. You're hearing about. You're hearing Mario new, Austin, yeah, Mario Austin. You're hearing new receiver names that weren't playing last year. So maybe these guys can take these passes and turn them into something bigger. But the thing about TJ, and I'll be quiet after this, in most people's minds, TJ cannot win you a game. Um, I, I think we were hoping Calzada could come in and win us a game. And TJ might be able to do it now, but that's all we've seen so far is he's not going to win it. He may not lose it, but he's not going to win it. Yeah, and, and and at Auburn we're used to only winning when we have a quarterback that can you know elevate the whole team. Right. Well, that's where I'm I'm starting to think you know with kind of the verbiage of going with T.J. Finley as the you know starting quarterback. You know, it's not official, but like it sounds like it that they're going to. I mean, they've they've already said it. They're going to run the ball a lot, and you know at that point if you're running the ball a lot. TJ doesn't have to do anything super flashy. He hands the ball off and you know, throws a few passes to keep him honest and you kind of get in and get out. I mean, again, it's it's that mentality of like winning it in the trenches versus kind of airing it out and you know kind of running and gunning a little bit. And so I think that that kind of mentality potentially, you know, plays into TJ Finley. Um if he can play within the system, which it sounds like he can. I mean, Harsons and Keesaw have both said he understands mentally, you know, even sometimes what a coach sees on the field. And I feel like that's something, you know, almost kind of remove yourself from the play and say, what would a coach say to me if I was going to do this right now? And it seems like TJ Finley can kind of grasp that bigger picture, which I think is very important. 
um, even for you know a guy in college to figure that out. And if he can execute those plays, I mean, that, that seems to be kind of the winning recipe that Harson looks at. Can you manage the game? Can you get guys lined up? Can you kind of view what's happening on the play, make the right decision? I mean, those are all big key things for a quarterback to do. And a if game, a game manager works if you have talent around you. And, absolutely. And we might. Um, we know we have tank. Um, again, we've listed some receivers that you know, almost everybody that's being listed on the two deep or were at least four star. So there's talent there. Yeah, game managers work if you have talent around you. If you don't have talent around you, you need you need a Cam Newton. I mean, can <laughs> I mean what Cam Newton's? I mean, that team was the least had the that that was the national championship team had the least amount of draftable players I think in the history. <laughs> I mean, that's a proven fact. So Cam Newton made everybody like you, you need somebody like that if you don't have you know studs around you. Hey, Auburn fans, I want to take a quick timeout from this episode to bring your attention to something very special. Here at the E2C Network, we pride ourselves on bringing you the best content for Auburn fans out there. And best of all, it's free to you. But just because it's free doesn't mean there aren't costs, especially when you have a library of hundreds of podcasts, videos, blogs, and more. Many of you have reached out and asked how you can support this network in the past. Well, now I have your answer. It's called the E2C Network Booster Club over at patreon.com slash E2C Network. There you'll find a membership monthly reward system where you can sign up for as little as $1 and get different perks at different tiers. Some of those perks include things such as apparel, eligibility to join us on future podcasts, recognition as an E2C Network Booster, exclusive communications, and bonus content that is available nowhere else. If you love this network and want to help us keep producing podcasts like this one, please head on over to patreon.com slash E2C Network to join the E2C Network Booster Club. You can also get there by going to our website, e2cnetwork.com slash support. Whether you decide to join or not, we are still so appreciative that you would support us by just listening and being here because each and every one of you is part of our E2C Network family. Well, that's it. Timeout's over. Let's get back into the episode. I mean, and something else made with this, you know, Robbie Ashford's still kind of thrown in here. And it sounds like he's getting a pretty decent shot. Like, the, I don't know. I view a lot of times how the coaches answer about, you know, hey, how's the, you know, the battle at quarterback going? They usually kind of start out both Keesaw and Harson, TJ Finley, closely followed by Robbie Ashford, and then Calzada. And that's kind of been the theme for the last, you know, couple of weeks. And I, I think that's telling. I mean, that TJ Finley probably is in the lead. And Robbie Ashford, you know, if if he comes out and he kind of plays well, he might win it too. So you kind of got the you know athleticism of Robbie Ashford that still, I mean, I'm sure it's hard to kind of evaluate in these scrimmage scenarios where you can't tackle the dude. But that's the kind of stuff like Robbie Ashford can do. And you got to kind of see that on a Saturday in life, you know, guys getting, you know, tackled. So, I mean, I, I wouldn't completely discount Robbie Ashford at this point. I think if the get, I think if I think the play, I think TJ is going to be the starter uh, number one. And if if the team, like we talk about the playmakers, if there are playmakers around him, 
he's going to roll through the year and be the starter. If we get in there and we can't move the ball because other people haven't elevated their game, I think you're going to have to bring in a like guy like Robbie to add another element for the defense to focus on. Um, otherwise, you won't move the ball. Um, right. The game manager, if the other guys aren't stepping up, a game manager will not move the ball on, on on a lot of SEC defenses. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they've a lot of these defenses have have seen a lot. Um, they've been around lots of different styles. You know, that's the kind of the you got to you know, adapt to what you have. So, I mean that that's part of it. So, I wanted to give kind of one one final discussion before we move off from the quarterbacks. And I, I think this is you know for you, me, you know, and potentially others that kind of jumped on the Calzada. You know, that how how did Calzada you know, after he, you know, it seems like he's kind of fallen off a little bit. How do you, you know, specifically like get back on, to, you know, somebody like TJ who, you know, a lot of people discounted, you know, they saw his play from last year and were like, that dude's not good. I'm not going to do that. How do you kind of come around to getting behind a guy like TJ, who is a very likable guy, if you've ever heard any, any of his interviews, but like, how do you do that if you've already kind of maybe checked him off and said, eh, I don't want, I don't, I don't want him as our quarterback. Well, fans are not realistic people. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's short for frenetic. Sorry, anybody that's listening. I am one myself, so I can talk about you. Um, so I don't, I don't, I think you're going to be split. You're going to have people that are going to demand you get behind TJ and I don't take either side, right? Like I, I'm not going to demand you get behind anybody. Uh, you do what you want to do, but uh, just don't do it publicly, right? Don't do it at the game. Um, don't go on social media and bash anybody. Um, at the end of the day, I don't really care who the quarterback is, and I am more than willing to give TJ a chance to go out there and show me how he's grown. And if he goes out there and does well, uh, I, great. Like, I like TJ. I, yeah. I, I'm all for Auburn. I could not care less who's throwing that ball. Um and so I would just encourage you, actually, again, I don't care what you do if you're listening, other than don't go on social media and bash any players. That makes Auburn look bad in recruiting. And at games, do not boo the player. Other than that, you don't have to get fully behind TJ. You can be very skeptical because you have data to prove that skepticism. But I think that um, somebody made the point. It's like, okay, listen. If And you may not like Harson, but if you think Harson is a player developer, and that's what he's been heralded as, then it would be crazy to think TJ's not better, right? Um, like, you have to assume if that who's Har- who Harson is, a full season grooming a guy, he's got to be better. Right. I mean, and and the thing is, like, I feel like we saw so much of, you know, Calzada, his practice, you know, working with his coach, and, like, TJ – for all we know was quietly working in the background doing things as well. And from, from what even some of the players have said about TJ, you know, he's come along as a leader and people view him as that. And I think that says a lot, you know, and I think the guys will respect him and be able to play hard for him. um, If that's the case. So Let's jump over a little bit more to kind of like the you know, running backs, wide receivers, and then even talk a little bit about offensive line. Um, running backs, Demario Austin keeps kind of you know moving up. I mean, he pretty quickly moved up from really being kind of that fourth string behind Tank Bigsby, Jerquez Hunter, 
and Sean Jackson. And now it sounds like he's kind of that third guy, which I think is pretty exciting. And, uh, you know, all along, you know, we got Tank Bigsby for sure. Jarquez, you know, pretty proven throughout, you know, last season. Did have some, you know, a little bit of a slump, but so did Tank at some point. So, you know, that's where I think, you know, if we're going to rely on this run game, you know, having four guys that can really help out is going to be key. So, Jared, what's kind of your overall perspective? You know, any predictions on, like, what we're going to do with the running back situation you know, and predicting, you know, how, how that's going to kind of play out. It's super hard to predict with, you know, Austin, cause we've never seen him. And, you know, the more I think about it, the, the guys that they keep mentioning are people that like, they're not mentioning any of the steady guys. They're not mentioning tank mm-hmm. or quiz, Colby wouldn't Derek Hall. Like those guys are not getting mentioned at all. So either they're not playing well, or that's like a given. Let me tell you about guys you don't know about. And so it's easy in a vacuum to get caught up in the DeMario Austin talk because I have. But does that mean he's playing better than Jarquez or are we just not being told about how great Jarquez is doing because we expect it? Mm-hmm. So I do think, you know, it is because not all incoming new people are being talked about. So it is good to be on that radar. It's good to be coming out of your coach's mouth. And I do think Austin, um, from what they say, brings a unique he can read holes very well, and he does not hesitate once he sees it, he hits it. Yeah. Um, and if we're being fair, and I love Tank, if we're being fair, that's one of his flaws, right? Like, he tries to balance everything outside, and, and he can do that against 80% of the teams he's playing. Um, he can't do that against the other 20% because the guys are just as fast, and, and they close that off. So, right. Um, you know, it'll be interesting to see what happens there. I think it will be Tank, Jarquez, DeMario, um and then um who Sean Jack who's the yeah Sean Jackson yeah. Sean Jackson the thing I liked about Sean that I saw in a day or somewhere is he's a bruiser man I mean yeah. he like he's a different style and you know if you need if you I mean I'll be honest if it's third and one I'd be tempted to put him in yeah because I feel like he's a guy that even if that hole's not really there he's gonna pump those legs and and push it forward yeah. Kind of reminds me of a like thicker version of Sean Shivers. Yeah. I know I it's agree. not perfect, but like kind of reminds me of that. I agree. Shivers would knock you back. Yeah. Tank wants to juke you and, and, and you know, Jarquez is a little bit of a he'll hit you. He's, he's uh-huh. kind of more, he's kind of more lower to the ground. And I don't know DeMario at all. I haven't seen his, I haven't seen one yeah. single running play of him. Yeah. Um, offensive line. So some, some topics going on about that. So, specifically around center you know nick brahms we knew he was a little injured um he's he wasn't there playing the first scrimmage did come back for the second scrimmage but it didn't sound like he was still 100 percent. but you know still getting some reps and i think that's important um especially you know the the whole gelling thing you know everybody says about offense offensive line specifically and yeah that that's going to be a key um but you know kind of in his absence a couple of guys uh, Brandon Council and Tate Johnson have kind of you know taken some backup center role, um, you know, taking some extra reps, and I think that's important. Um, and, and I'm just thinking about like Tate Johnson, you know, somebody who's a junior right now. Nick Brahms, he's a fifth year senior. Brandon Council is going to be done. Like Tate Johnson, yeah, you know, could be potentially kind of you know a two year starter if he ends up winning this position. I don't think he'll necessarily do it if Nick Brahms is healthy. But if Nick Brahms is so kind of, you know, a little nicked up, 
I could see Tate Johnson coming in and, you know, potentially winning that position, which would be kind of cool. So really excited to see how kind of that plays out in the first uh, few games. Um, another kind of thing, and this was specific to offensive line, which I thought was kind of interesting. Um, I'm a small guy, five foot five, <laughs> not big, obviously not offensive lineman. I did play offensive line. I was actually the center for flag football, but that's flag football. So. Um, <laughs> I don't know a whole lot about offensive line, but there was an interesting comment made from one of the coaches about offensive line. And they were saying, yeah, if you coach one of the guys, you know, one of the offensive linemen, you're also coaching the four others because they have to work as a unit. They have to know what, you know, the guy to the left and the right of them are, is doing. And that's something kind of cool that I hadn't really thought of. So just want to put that little nugget out there. All right. So let's shift to defense and then we'll uh, kind of wrap things up. So defense, Jeff Schmetting had an interview and I, I listened to that. It was really interesting just because, you know, he's had a, you know, he's had a history with Harson. You know, they've coached together. They've been around each other. And, and he was talking about, you know, the, the trust level there where, you know, Schmetting, you know, say may call a play and, you know, if it was some other defensive coordinator, even if a great one, you know, Harson probably wouldn't have as much trust in him. So I think having that relationship already is already going to help a lot um, with kind of what we see, um, even with the product on day one. Um, another thing that I thought was kind of cool that, you know, Schmetting also pointed out that I thought was really good insight was, you know, think about the different quarterbacks we have. You know, you have TJ Finley. You have Robbie Ashford can run around and we have, you know, Calzada who, you know, has shown that he can be a crazy good quarterback if he wants to be. And, you know, those are three different types of quarterbacks and the defense gets to practice against those every day. You know, they're, they're essentially diff- practicing against, you know, potentially a couple of different types of offenses because Robbie Ashford has a you know, certain skill set where he can run the ball a little bit more than, you know, TJ Finley. And I think that's, that will help prepare them for, you know, the different offenses that they'll end up seeing uh, when they come, you know, specifically around, you know, the harder games uh, in, in the SEC. So I thought that was kind of cool. Um, a couple other things about our defense. So, you know, we, we've talked about, you know, last year, it seemed like we got, we caused a lot of fumbles, but we didn't, like the ball just didn't seem to fall our way. And, that's something that Schmetting said they're focusing a lot of effort on this year. So I hope they, you know, up their numbers. It was like over a hundred of, you know, whatever, 130 teams in the country for college football, like really bad when it comes to turnovers. And so I hope we're able to do that because, you know, turnovers lead to momentum swings and, and just get your team going a lot of times. So I, I hope that that does translate. Yeah, I saw I saw something great. Like our, you, I think you were quoting our plus minus turnover, and it wasn't because of our offense. I, I think I saw if I did, if I read this correct, we had only four interceptions. Maybe it was four. Wow. You know, into a certain part of the year, which was still crazy. But I want to say it was like four for the year, and and we had several fumbles, but we didn't turn the ball over a lot. We just didn't get any from the other team either. So that's why our plus minus was not great. Yeah. I mean, we got to work on that for sure. So, yeah, it's new coach, new uh, mentality. So looking forward to seeing seeing how that plays out. Um, a couple other guys that they had mentioned, um, 
they had mentioned Eugene Asante. We've kind of heard his name. He's still learning the system. Um, and then they they keep gloating about Donovan Kaufman. Um, yeah, one thing that I learned about him, and it seems like he's one of the more vocal leaders on the team. Um, he's very obviously very versatile. I think he's you know played a couple of positions now that he's at Auburn. So you kind of can put him in multiple spots, and he seems to be able to adapt when put in those. So pretty exciting there. Um, there was an interception, and uh, the pretty sure the interception, if I remember right, was off of Calzada, but it was Osbury jumped in front of it, got an interception. So pretty exciting there. Um, good for the defense, you know, putting the pressure on the offense and uh, you know performing. Uh, another couple things, and this was specifically around linebackers. They were talking about the linebacker room being very tight knit. Um, and it, they're, they're probably alluding to, you know, Owen Papo with the way, you know, he's a just physical, you know, physical beast. <laughs> and that leadership from his side has really helped. Um, so I, I'm really excited to see Owen back out there. I mean, from all reports, Owen's back hundred percent. And uh, looking like his regular, you know, Owen Papo, which, whoo, when Owen Papo is healthy, I mean, it's such a beautiful thing. There, he just he knows how to, you know, get the defense in line and ready to go. So, another kind of cool thing about linebackers, one of them who was a walk-on, Jake Levant, got a scholarship during the middle of practice. So, pretty cool thing to see that. I, I always just love those. I mean, I don't know about you, Jared, but, you know, it just gives me a little chills that, you know, the guy who, I mean, even him, he had actual offers, you know, scholarship offers from like U, uh, UAB and Tulane, and he, he really wanted to come to Auburn. His siblings came there, so he really wanted to jump on that, and uh, that's that's where he decided to go, even though he didn't have a scholarship. So cool to see that that pay off and him get a scholarship. Yeah, that is always cool. I think it was, was it Sean Jackson that did the same thing over yeah. uh, like spring practice or something. Yeah. Yeah. So very cool. Yeah. A um, couple other things. This is uh, more around special teams. Uh, they're talking about Donovan Kaufman. Um, they were talking about him potentially making some impact on the special team. So I'll be excited to see kind of how they get him to fit in on special teams because uh, they specifically called him out on special teams. So I would love to see what they're thinking to do with him. Um, a couple other things, uh, kickoff return. It looks like Jarquez and Damari Alston are kind of, you know, some of the guys out there, um, kickoff return. And one of the big things I really like about both of them is we've seen Jarquez's, you know, his top speed is fast. So if he gets that crease, he's gone. Like, good luck catching up with him. So I'm really excited, and I've heard the same thing about Damari Alston. So if he can do that as well, props to him um one other thing uh and this was kickoff coverage they were kind of working on a few different scenarios just you know keeping in your lanes and doing squib kicks and different stuff but it was good to see they were getting Anders Carlson out there doing some kickoffs so I will uh be curious to see if they stick with that or you know if they'll you know maybe do a little kind of swap between him and Evan Ferson who was you know top rated kicker out of uh high school so really i think that'll be a fun one kind of to see how that develops especially with anders really only having a year left so all right jared any other thoughts no just ready to ready to get it going man 
And yeah. I guess we'll probably find out. Uh, I think we'll probably find out this week who the official starter is. But I do think that, you know, I think we'll probably see at least two people play in Mercer. Um, you know, just since it's been a close battle. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll see two people actually play in game time and see, you know, what, what comes of that. Probably the first two games, maybe San Jose yeah. State as well. So. Yeah, I would love to see that just with how much we've heard. I mean, just uh, I'm just thinking about, you know, TJ Finley get out there, play some, and then you have, you know, Robbie come in, you know, second half, play some, and see what he does. Um, you know, see if he can create some good separation and, you know, maybe even throw a couple passes. I mean, that, that would be really cool to see. Yeah, I agree. So, all right, Jared, before we get out of here, how can the people stay in touch with you? You can find me on Facebook under my name, Jared Davis. And you can find me on Twitter, A-J-A-Y, J-A-Y underscore. It's always great to be an Auburn Tiger and War Eagle. War Eagle. Thank you for tuning in today's episode on the E2C Network. On your way out, I want to remind you to stop by E2Cnetwork.com. It's your one-stop shop for all our content across our podcast, YouTube channel, and much more. To stay up to date with us, make sure you're following social media accounts such as Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. While our content here may always be Auburn sports heavy, if it's orange and blue, it's what we do. War Eagle.